Welcome to Season 2 of Do Good and Do Well. My name is Sarah Fox and I'm a life and leadership coach and founder of the Do Good and Do Well community. And this is a podcast where we explore how to be a changemaker without losing yourself. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. I have a question for you. Would you say that you are a half glass full or half glass empty kind of person? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Are you somewhere in between? Has any of that changed for you? I think of myself as a realistic optimist, but I know in the past I have had, let's say, pessimistic tendencies and I haven't always been able to see the light in situations. And it definitely depends still on what part of my life I'm thinking about. I don't always find it easy to automatically head for the optimistic option but one of the things I've really been trying to do in the last couple of years is challenge some of my limiting beliefs and challenge those negative thought patterns so that I can learn to be more optimistic. So there's a huge amount of evidence that says optimism is really good for you And I know that when I'm optimistic, it helps me to feel better. I feel lighter. Some researchers even suggest that optimists live longer. So in this episode, I wanted to share with you what I have learned about optimism and pessimism and give you a couple of tools to help you think more optimistically. A lot of the stuff that I'm talking about in this episode comes from the work of Martin Slegman and Positive Psychology. He wrote a book called Learned Optimism and in it he says that we can definitely for sure learn to be more optimistic which is really good news. Optimism and pessimism are habits of thinking. They're explanatory styles so the way that we explain something about our past, something that's happened to us, or the way that we think about our future. And you know this kind of lens that we have, whether it's an optimistic or pessimistic one, will have far-reaching effects on our lives. I'm trying to be much more intentional in what I want my life to look like. And so for me, having an optimistic view, and as I say, a realistic one, is really important for me to know that some of the things I want, desire, are possible. Let's look at the optimistic and pessimistic styles. Nelson Mandela said, Part of being optimistic is keeping one's head pointed towards the sun, one's feet moving forward. You know, we're looking up, we we keep going, we are not stuck. Optimists are able to do this because of a couple of things. They see adversity and challenges as temporary. So that lovely phrase that I find so helpful, this too shall pass. 
I often think about that with my children and the phases that they go through under my breath. This too shall pass. This will get better. It's not always going to be like this. Optimists also see adversity and challenges as specific, that it's one thing that's difficult. It's that one bit that feels really difficult. They also tend not to see things as personal. So they will think, well, someone else was at fault or the situation or the circumstance was at fault. That that was to blame. Just to say that again, optimists see adversity and challenges as temporary, specific and not personal. As I say, this is all in the learned optimism book in a lot more detail than this so if you find this of interest I would really recommend getting that book and I've put a link in the show notes for you so let's look at pessimists I've got a quote here from Stephen King life sucks and then you die Um, (laughs) so the core of pessimism Martin Slegman says is this phenomenon of helplessness that this feeling of nothing I do will make a difference and so pessimists see adversity and challenges as permanent And you'll hear it in language. If you hear yourself saying things like, things will never change, it will always be like this. So those words, never, always. Pessimists also see adversity and challenges as pervasive. Something goes wrong and that will affect every area of your life. Your whole life is terrible because of this adversity and they often see things as personal as well it's my fault I did it wrong it was me and you know even those phrases feel so heavy don't they like I can feel it in my body even saying it out loud things will never change it will always be like this It will affect every area of my life. My whole life is terrible. It's my fault. I did it wrong. It was me. We compare that to this too shall pass. It's this bit that's difficult. Actually, someone else was to blame there. Or it was the situation at fault. So I think even knowing those two parts... Even knowing those two sides feels useful. If you're recognising that you can be more pessimistic and you'd like to be more optimistic, what can you do? As I keep saying, and I will continue to say, get curious. Stop, think, reflect. Try and be as non-judgmental of yourself as possible. Try and talk to yourself in a kind, compassionate way. Martin Seligman says that, okay, we need to look at, or he calls it the ABCDE method. And for any of you who have undertaken or know about CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, you will recognise this We're looking at the adversity, right? The situation, what's happened, and we're examining it. Think about a time when you were feeling pessimistic about something. Have a think about the situation. 
And then start to get curious about the belief you hold about that. It might be a belief you have about yourself and your capabilities. It might be a belief that you have about others and their capabilities. It might be a limiting belief that you hold about yourself, what you're able to do, what you're not able to do, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about others. But really examine this this belief. Then look at the consequence of this belief. So how is the belief driving your feelings and behaviour? The feelings that you might have could be frustration, they could be disappointment, vulnerability, confusion, anxiety, humiliation, aggression, fury, irritation, resentment. There are many, many feelings and part of this is really learning how to identify your feelings as well. So these feelings drive your behaviour. What behaviour comes from that? You're feeling not good enough. That could create behaviour that becomes more introverted. You're not taking risks. You're not challenging yourself. You're hiding. You might have feelings of worry and the consequence of that is anxiety, not sleeping, not eating well or eating too much. I'm giving very broad examples here but this is about you getting curious about all of this and what that means for you. Being able to identify the situation, the belief and then the consequence is the first part of it. And then what Sir Liegman says is, okay, then we need to start to argue against, and he calls it disputation. We're arguing against this belief. And I would say that this is about practice. You have been wired in a very particular way and this is about rewiring some of that and we can only do that through practising and getting really good at spotting those pessimistic beliefs when they arise. Spot them quicker and quicker and quicker. This is how you can learn to argue with yourself. Find evidence to counter those pessimistic beliefs. I'm not good enough. Find the evidence that says I am good enough. You are good enough. Find alternative or other explanations. What else might have created this situation? What's the alternative belief here? You can explore implications of these beliefs because sometimes a belief might be true and we have developed these beliefs to keep us safe at some point they were really useful so really being able to look at the implications without judgment can be really helpful so find evidence to disprove pessimistic beliefs What other alternative explanations might there be? What might be the implications of a correct, what could be perceived as a negative belief? That's a whole other episode. And, you know, if it is correct, how likely is it that it's going to be really, really awful? And then 
what he says then is that we have this energization because we were able to argue against that creates this burst of energy which means that we move forward we've got the energy to move forward in the way that we want to move forward before I finish the episode, I just wanted to talk about control a little bit. So there are some things in your life that are out of your control. So, for example, the weather, how other people feel, time, what's happened to you in the past, what will happen in the future. The pandemic has shown us all that we, we cannot control that. You cannot control that. And there's a vast landscape of things that you can take control of. And so it's about letting go of some of the things that you cannot control. You cannot control the actions of others. You cannot predict what will happen. You don't know how long things will last. And instead focus on the things you can control you can control your thoughts it takes time and practice some people once they realize that they can do it quickly for others not so you can control what you consume you can control being kind to yourself and others you can control your actions. You have an opportunity to look at your whole life and put it into two parts. What can't you control? What can you control? If you can get into this habit of arguing against these negative beliefs, maybe limiting beliefs that keep you stuck then perhaps your life will be better. Perhaps you'll feel happier. I know that for me, the revelation, I think, that habits of thinking are not written in stone and that we can change them, just knowing that has really helped me so i hope this has been useful for you if it has then please do buy me a coffee i've got my coffee fund i'll put the link in the show notes you can't necessarily take me for coffee fully this has somehow shed a light on something for you shifted your perspective in some way or another and as always take very good care